0: Getting recommendations from your friends for that perfect diet might be a big waste of time. The real answer is already within you your genes. What are the best foods based on your DNA? What foods have the nutrients that you need? How quickly do you metabolize caffeine and alcohol? Don't guess. Use the code Verlander for $20 off of a Geno Palette DNA kit to find out how to eat for your genes. It's
1: a ball out. He swings and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already.
0: What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. We got a great one for you. Of course, I'm going to get right into some storylines, but I got my guest, Michael Fulmer of the Detroit Tigers joining me. Fun fact about him, one of the only eyewitnesses of my home run against my brother in spring training a few years ago. You best believe I asked him about that. Then we get into the hotline questions where you guys can call in. It's one of my favorite parts of the show. Keep getting those questions in. Of course, the sixth tool player of the week. And this week in Shohei Otani news, man, it's getting to the point where I feel like I can make the whole show about Shohei Otani, and I wouldn't be crazy, but I'm not going to do that because I don't want to do that. But I love him, and I love that segment. And, of course, we asked you guys another question on Twitter, and you guys answered. We will talk about that. The best hitter in the National League was this week's question. But I want to get right into some storylines. Uh, there, there's a big one happening in baseball right now. All these substances, substance this, substance that, spider tack spider, uh, spider tack, rosin, sunscreen. What is all this about? What is going on in baseball? Well, let me tell you. Major League Baseball has come out and cracked down on what is happening in baseball with all these substances. If if any pitcher is caught using anything, anything at all, sunscreen or rosin or pine tar or spider tack, it's an automatic 10 game suspension, which is a huge deal. This is a big deal. And, uh, Tyler now came out Uh, this past week with with quite the quite the statement and and i want to throw it to that he he got himself hurt and he came out in the media and had this statement
2: i a hundred percent believe that contributed to me getting hurt uh, no doubt without a doubt um i think like it's it's ridiculous i'm just gonna i have used sticky stuff before it's ridiculous that like it seems like this whole public perception of like Oh, just like select few of people. Like your favorite pitcher probably 50 years ago was using something too. Like if you felt these balls, how inconsistent they were, like you have to use something. But I threw to the Nationals with nothing. I've never been, a, I don't use sticky stuff. To I don't use spider tack. I don't need more spin. I, I have huge hands. I spin the ball fine. I want grip. I did well against the Nationals. Probably one of the best starts I had all year. I woke up the next day and it was like, I am sore in places that I didn't even know I had muscles in. Like I felt completely different. I switched. My fastball grip and my curveball grip—I've thrown it the same way for however many years I have played baseball. I had to change. I had to put my fastball deeper into my hand and grip it way harder, and I had to instead of holding my curveball at the tip of my fingers, I had to dig it deeper into my hand. So I'm like choking the out of all my pitches. Wow.
0: That's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal for a pitcher like Tyler Glass. Now, friend of the show, by the way having a Cy Young type of year, an all-star type of year, to come out and say something like that, to come out and say and admit, you know what? I was using something. Of course I was. Everybody has been. Your favorite pitcher 50 years ago was. For him to come out and say that he got hurt because of this crackdown is monumental news. Now, I want to talk about this for a second. I played baseball at one of the highest levels you can get to. All along the way, starting in college, I saw pitchers using stuff. It is deep-rooted in baseball history. And that is what I want people to understand, how deep-rooted this goes. Whether it be pine or uh, sunscreen and rosin, that's the most common, I think. The problem and why, you may be saying, well, why is this a big deal now then? The problem is because we've gotten to a point where it's getting out of control. People are introducing things that have no place on a baseball. Spider-tack, for instance. It's getting to the point where Major League Baseball had to do something. They had to do something. Now, my problem comes with it being done right now. And I don't know if if they knew how deep-rooted in baseball this is, but to come out mid-season and say, we're going to crack down, no more doing this. That is where my problem comes about. Because then you're taking these pitchers that for the last 5, 10, 20 years have been throwing a certain way and, and putting you know certain things on, on the baseball. Now you're telling them mid-season you have to stop that. And that's why we're seeing these issues. You may be saying, well, that's, that's ridiculous. How, how can you not using a substance get you hurt. Look, there's all these. Baseball is a game of literal minuscule changes, minuscule. And when you do one thing different, when you have to change your grip, when you're used to holding a ball one way and then you have to grip it a little tighter, it puts strain on your arm in all different places. I can't tell you how many times I have a, I have, I had a problem with, with my labrum and whenever it would start acting up, I would have to start throwing a little bit different, and every time I did that, I would feel pain in my arm the next day in places that I never knew I could have pain. This is a big deal to do this mid-season, and that's where my problem comes about. I'm fine with the crackdown. I do think it was getting to the point where pitchers were becoming different pitchers. That's not the point of all this. The point of this is to literally be able to grab a baseball and have a grip on it. But what we were running into is these pitchers getting substances that do not belong on baseballs and turning themselves into totally different pitchers with totally different spin rates and the baseball doing totally different things. That's where we ran into a problem. And then we come into this crackdown mid-season. It's a really tough position for all involved, but I don't think cracking down in the middle of the season is the answer. But uh, I'm hopeful we don't see more injuries come about from this, Uh, but it it is a big deal what Tyler Glasnow came out and said, and I'm hopeful, and I think the answer I think what we're going to see is in this coming offseason, we're going to see Major League Baseball come out with some sort of substance that is cleared by them. This this you can use. We know what this is. You're able to use this to get a little bit better grip on the ball, and you don't have to worry about the super slick baseball. That's what I think uh, is, is going to come out from this. So hopefully no more no more injuries as a result of this. But I wanted to move on to another storyline, a big one, the number one prospect in baseball Is coming to the show, baby. Tuesday, Wander Franco is getting called up. He is baseball's number one prospect. This guy is the real deal. Let me tell you why. One, he's a switch hitter. He's a shortstop, a premium position in baseball. I love that he's a switch hitter. I I have like a soft spot for switch hitting uh, shortstops. I don't know why. Shortstop such a premium position in baseball. To have a guy that's as dynamic as Franco come up, um, and being a switch hitter, look, this guy in the minor leagues, his minor league stats are insane. Over 333 this season, he's hitting 315 in the minor leagues with seven bombs already. So he's not the biggest guy in the world height-wise, but let me tell you, this guy's got some pop. He is electric and no better time, in my opinion, for the Tampa Rays to, to call him up. He's the number one prospect in baseball. Everyone knows, he has, everyone knows he's coming. We knew it at some point. We just didn't know when. They go on a little bit of a slide. They lose a bunch of games last week. They're still right there in the thick of it, right, right behind the Red Sox in the AL East. Now what? It's wander time. And is it his exact impact that's going to make the biggest difference? I don't know. I do think he makes a difference. But the fact that they're calling him up right now says to the whole team, you know what? We're going for it. And we're going for it right now. That is it for storylines for this past week. But I want to get in to my interview. This week's guest is a friend of mine. I uh, played with him in the Detroit Tigers organization. He was a previous starting pitcher, but now an absolute dominant closer for the Detroit Tigers, Michael Falmer. Falmer, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, man. It's good to see you again. Of course, you as well. Dude,
0: right off the top, I hit you with some trivia questions. We got a leaderboard with Reese Hoskins at the top of it, actually, with eight. So I got some, uh, I got a, I got some trivia questions to ask you right off the top. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Ready. Uh, who was your first MLB strikeout? Brian Dozier. Yep. Who's your first MLB batter you faced?
1: Oh, Danny Santana? Yes.
0: First MLB home run given up to? Uh, Mike Napoli. Yes. First MLB win. Who was it against?
1: The Twins. Yes.
0: Who was the leadoff hitter for for Detroit during your debut? Ooh. Kinsler? Yes. Number of pitches thrown in your first MLB start?
1: 92.
0: Oh, it's 93. What was your jersey number in your debut? 32. <laughs> Who relieved you in your first start?
1: Oh, I don't even know. I was, uh, I mean, Alex Wilson, maybe? Yes. Where was your first away game? It was in Minnesota. Wow. 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 That was
0: pretty good. How many did you get? He did get Minnesota. That's eight. So you are now at the top of our leaderboard, tied with Reese Hoskins.
1: Hey, I'll take that all day. Pretty good there.
0: And wait, I feel like we almost need he got ninety-two pitches, you threw ninety-three. I feel like like that's that's a tough one, and you were one off. True. Really? <laughs> well, all right, foam. First, thank you so much for joining me, man. I wanted to talk about um, you know, the, the day the day you get drafted, and and I got to experience it on a much lower level than you did I was some 14th round scrub pick you were drafted in the first round what was that day like and what was it like getting drafted in the in the first round
1: man that was a crazy day back in Edmond uh, Oklahoma and um, you know I didn't really have any thoughts about where I'd go in after what round or what pick you know there were some phone calls but you know, I was kind of just focused on high school baseball at the time. And, you know, you had two studs uh, out in Oklahoma anyway, with Dylan Bundy and Archie Bradley. We're going to go in the first 10 picks, no matter what, either. i um, watching them. But funny story is, we had uh, our watch party at a Hooters in Edmond, <laughs> Oklahoma. I um, had all my uh, high school, family, everybody there. ended up being a long night, but. Um, just to be hear my name called, it was, it was pretty cool.
0: So, and then, then you get into the minor leagues, which um, I ask everybody this question, because baseball is so unique and everybody goes through sort of a minor league grind. Um, what is one memory and, or one story from your minor league days that you'll take with you forever, that you'll forever
1: remember? Oh, there's a lot of them. Uh, I think the, the minor league grind part of it, um, I was drafted by the Mets, played in Savannah, Georgia, my first full season, uh, and low a, um, low a Savannah, uh, first full season. And I remember a 16 hour bus ride overnight to Lakewood, New Jersey (laughs) that we had and had to take three different bus drivers to switch out on that, uh, on that journey. So I'll never forget sleeping on the floor in the bus one bus, uh, Everybody
0: on it. Dude, I just wrote an article about like the minor league grind and sleeping on the floor on buses and you know eating PB and Js in locker rooms and all that stuff, but it's funny you talk about sleeping on the floor because that is absolutely a thing that happens is the center aisle of the bus will be full of guys sleeping with like a pillow in the middle of the aisle, right?
1: Yeah, my shoes were my pillows
0: uh, back then. So uh... <laughs> um, So then you get traded to the tigers you're part of the yo and trade actually to the detroit tigers um what was that what was that day like for you i can't i can't imagine
1: yeah i didn't think much of it we were uh we were in richmond virginia playing the that's where i'm flying from baby squirrels flying squirrels at the time <laughs> um i was just uh it was july 31st i was out throwing uh my in-between start bullpen and the deadline time, I think it was four o'clock It already passed. And, um, I was still outside there in my bullpen. You know, one of the clubhouse guys comes out and, and gets me, says, your manager wants to talk to you. I said, okay, well, didn't much of it, but we'll be networks on TV. Whole team is clapping, you know, um, manager walks out of his office as well. I guess and I said, no, you might fill me. in. He said, he's been traded to the tigers. Um, I'm like, uh, Okay,
2: <laughs>
1: but it was uh, it was cool. Everybody's happy for me. Uh, it's nice being uh, that's that's wanting to Get rated four, so uh, I was in a good mood the rest of the day. And a couple days later, made it to Little you know, Erie, Pennsylvania. Wow!
0: So you end up going to Erie, work your way up the minor league system with the Tigers, um, and then your rookie season, you become. The first Tiger since some guy named Justin Verlander to win Rookie of the Year in 2016. Now, Foam, I have a question to ask you about a quote that I found of you on my brother. Okay. And it says, I remember back in spring training where I was kind of nervous to even come up to him. He was one of my favorite pitchers in the game. He basically brought me back to his rookie year in 2006 and told me everything he wished he had done. He helped me with a shoulder program, a routine between starts, what he wished he would have done as opposed to what he did. Now, I'm assuming you got some great info out of that, but I'm mad at you for fluffing up his ego um, that early by the time you got there. That pisses me off. But <laughs> what, what, did, what did you learn from him? Like what, what did you take away from that conversation about his routine and everything he did his rookie year?
1: So the funny thing about that is, um, one, I don't remember saying it, um, and two, you know, he's, he helped me a lot as far as the, the maintenance side of your body goes, you know, he's, he was saying that, uh, one thing was, um, that he didn't keep up his shoulder strength or, or, or maintenance shoulder program stuff. He really thrived, um for me to stay on a strict schedule with that. And I still use that same program to the day. Uh, he kind of hounded on me to make sure I got my lower body lifts in in between starts, um, just kind of looking out for me. And the funny thing about it now is that I'm kind of seeing that um, in myself, some of the mistakes that I made when I was younger that ultimately led to injuries or um, and seeing guys like Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal, Spencer Turnbull does uh, as well. He's still young, and uh, seeing those guys have routines now, and it's something that I never really had going into the big league. So it's uh, it's real cool to see uh, guys develop routines like that at a, at a younger age.
0: Now that he's moved on to another organization and with the Astros, do you, do you ever reach out to him anymore to, to ask questions, or have you have you talked to him since he left?
1: I've talked to him a little bit, um, you know, his TJ before he got it. And he actually got it done by Dr. Meister, which the same guy had that did mine. Um, And I had nothing but good things to say to him about it and kind of just asked how his life was and everything. It's kind of a a hard moment for him because I know what he he was going through at the time. So I didn't really stick, uh, talk to him too much, but uh, he said he was doing well. And and, uh, it was just good to to text him for a little bit.
0: Yeah. And so speaking of, some injuries, you were actually on the Team USA World Baseball Classic team and, and got hurt and weren't able to, to, to continue with the team. But how, how cool was it to be able to pitch for, for Team USA and, and to pitch and be a part of that team?
1: Well, I never really got to be um, a part of it, unfortunately, because uh, I, you know, I, was, I was selected to the team. They asked me to go, right. but I said, yes, of course. Uh, then a couple of weeks before they actually went out, went off, really drills and break my ankle. So for uh, weeks, that a chance to go. Uh, and
0: then so the very, that in 2017 you become an all star, dude. I just like from 2016 to 17 was such a whirlwind like for you. I, I can't imagine how awesome that was, man. I, I just remember going out. And, and I would watch you. I was in, especially in 16, I was in the minor leagues. And I would watch you every single night. And you were just going out and dominating guys. And it kind of feels like you're getting to the point now where you have, you've transitioned and you're actually coming out of the bullpen now. But your stuff seems like it's as dominant as it was then, if not even more so. You're throwing 100. Where, where are you now? Um... compared to then? Do you feel as good now as you did back then pre all the little injuries you went through?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I feel great. You know, 2016, 2017, go out and perform. You don't have to think about your body or anything uh, like that. You're still younger. Uh, Age creeps up on you, I tell you. But um, (laughs) it was fun to not have to worry about it. Now, uh, going through the injuries, you know, the body's going to feel the way it feels. It's learning how to kind of grind through it, find a routine, a program that works for you. And obviously, two years of rehab that I had with the, the knee and the elbow, it, it turned out well for me because I'm prepared. But as far as the stuff goes, it's, I'm feeling great. I think it's just another year, um, being healthy again, and, and hopefully it, it comes So,
0: 2016 spring training, one of the coolest memories of my life happens uh, I go up to face my brother on a backfield, and the first and only pitch I've ever seen from him in my entire life, I hit a home run. And you were, you were there. You remember this. I guess
1: so.
0: You can attest. You can attest to this. And the, the, the situation in minor league backfield is, is interesting because nobody makes noise. Nobody, like, cheers. That was the loudest I've ever heard. Uh, a minor league backfield is, is when I hit that home run. And you were there and can attest to the fact that I'm one for one with a home run off of
1: my brother. That is correct. And I'm pretty sure I was the one leading the charge with the applause. Um, <laughs> I couldn't have been more at the time. The way, the way it all worked out was, was my thing. So you're, Justin's coming over to pitch, um, You know, get his innings in his spring training. You're actually playing on the other field. Uh, see that he is pitching in uh, <laughs> the field view. Someone goes and gets you. You walk from one dugout to the other to another dugout that Justin's, pitched, uh, Phil Justin's pitching on. Walk straight up to the plate, and then hit a first pitch homer. <laughs> I mean, you can't script it any better than that. That's, that's minor league backfield spring training right there.
0: That is exactly how it went down, because I went up and asked our, our minor league coordinator if I could go over there. And he literally said, run over to the other field, but don't go out on deck because he won't want to face you. So stand back behind the dugout. And, you know, it's this like rocky area dugout and then the field. So I'm like standing in the rocks with a helmet on looking like a loser. Um, and then the first guy pops up to right field, Justin turns around and I literally run into the box. And then by the time (laughs) he turns around, I'm just standing there like I'm ready to hit. And he goes, Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll never forget. I hit the home run and you can tell in the video, the catcher at the time is James McCann. James Hmm. takes off his helmet and just starts busting out laughing and you can see everybody and you can see you in the background on the chart. Uh, leading, leading the way with the applause, like you said. So I will certainly never forget that moment. And I'm glad I have somebody now that has come on that can vouch for that situation.
1: And it, and it wasn't pull side. It was to right center, deep. I mean, it's, it's a good poke. Fulmer, I'm, I'm not kidding
0: you. Of every home run I've hit in my entire life, that's probably like the furthest one I've hit. I like, not, I, like I've pulled balls further, but I don't hit oppo home runs. I don't. There's something, something happened. I don't know what it was. Something came over me and I, I knew, because I said coming over, I said, I'm gonna go over on that field, and my brother's gonna throw me an inside fastball and try and break my bat. I know he's gonna try and embarrass me in front of all my friends and everybody there. And it's a lose-lose for him. He can't throw me a first pitch curveball. I know that. He throws me a first pitch fastball and I hit it out to deep right center and, and then I touch home plate and run back to my field, and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I That's will scary. never, never forget that. But one thing that I will never forget about you, and I've never, never heard the full story here, and I've never gotten the full story. So I want to know, what's the deal with the off-season plumbing situation? For those that don't know, until this past year, every off-season, you would go back home and, and work as a plumber in the off-season why how did you start that and why did you continue to do it even once you got into the major leagues and had some success
1: well first of all I actually got the hat on uh <laughs> hat on now you know <laughs> represent the uh the company um you know it was never I'm not a certified plumber uh, I'm not licensed um but my buddy who I've known for a while he owns his own company out there in uh, in UConn, Oklahoma and you know, he said he needed some help one day, and um, sure enough, I went out there, and it's not the, the fixing toilets and, and leaks like that um, that he does daily basis. more replacing sewer, sewer lines in backyards and PVC and digging and all this stuff. So he just needed an extra set of hands one day, and so I helped him out. It's an all-day project about, you know, seven, eight hours, and that's a good way to stay. Day before you start going to the gym and working out, so uh, he, you know, paid me in cash, and and uh, I enjoyed it at the time, and just kind of something that stuck with uh, with me through every off season.
0: There you go, your off season workout regiment plumbing. <laughs> so what? What? So you just wanted to stick with it even after you become rookie of the year and become an all star, you continue to do it. Is it? at that point as like continuing to do it as a friend or you like legitimately enjoying doing it this whole time i did think it was on toilets so now now i know that it wasn't it was like backfield type of
1: work yeah yeah there's some toilets um but but, you know like i said at one point it was was kind of helping out a friend and, and just staying busy um back with with life before kids obviously now uh, got two kids and, and really can't, uh, don't have the time to do it anymore in the off season. But uh, you know, he was just uh, awesome, helping me out, uh, and uh, just wanted to give him an extra set of hands.
0: Um, so then, you didn't do it heading into this season, and then this season's going well for you guys. I, you know, I, I don't think the Tigers had a roster that everybody at the beginning of the season thought they were gonna compete or win a lot of games, but it almost seems like uh, new manager, A.J. Hinch has come over from the Astros and, and now is your manager. What is it, is there like a, a cultural change that he's brought to this team um, or, 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 or what?
1: Yeah, A.J. is, A.J. is awesome. Um, he's a very knowledgeable manager. He interacts with his players, staff. Um, just knows a lot about the game of baseball and thinks of things that that people normally don't think of. Um, you know, I remember beginning of the year, I opened up in the bullpen and he would come to each and every reliever before a series and say, "Look, this is your guy on the other team. Like, if he comes up in a, a critical spot, just to make sure you're you're starting to move that you know five or six batters in advance, just in case that guy comes up in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning." Uh, this is your guy, right? We think your stuff plays to to this guy better than than X player, you know? Um, so I didn't think that was a whole starting staff thing. Like, you know, we got to face everybody three times usually. So, But uh, the fact that he took the time to go out to every day, hey, this is your guy, I thought was something kind of really thought out and special.
0: So not only is it like, peace of mind for you knowing when you're going to be used it's also him putting you guys in positions to succeed right out of the gate right
1: yeah he um you know i told him whenever i went to the bullpen that i I just want to be thrown into the fire you know if you're gonna uh me and you think i can help with help the team win then um throw me in there and my first relief outing was in the seventh inning of a tie ball game against the twins um, which I didn't expect to be in either, but <laughs> he's just, uh, he just, he, he thinks he's a, he's a super smart guy. Like I've pitched, I pitched in the second inning when the starters gotten hurt, uh, I've pitched in the fifth, I've pitched in the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, the 10th. Um, you know, he, he uses guys on matchups and I can't imagine what this would be like if the whole, uh, three batter minimum for relievers thing wasn't in place. I can't imagine um, how many guys would be used per game with him. Let's say that's the way I put it.
0: So this is kind of a a, a different year for you. you you're you coming out of the pen, and what? when did you realize um, that that was going to be your new role? Were you told, hey, we're going to bring you in out of the bullpen, or was it kind of your suggestion?
1: No, it was all them. I remember spring training, I had – a few starts that just, um, I just wasn't getting it done. Uh, stuff wasn't there. Velocity wasn't there still. And the um, last couple appearances in spring training, they said, hey, we're going to try to pitch you out of the bullpen. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll still get my innings in and still lengthen out just in case if uh, if I can crack the rotation still. And I remember pitching uh, in Dunedin, uh, I think back into spring training coming in the fifth, for six, pitching a tie ball game against spring training Blue Jays, um, and was so empty. Went from 92, 93. I was hitting 96, 97. Fourth inning of work. The adrenaline with that helped give me a couple ticks of velocity. And once the season start, a little more adrenaline after that, and um, things just stuck.
0: Yeah, I mean that's what. I, and it seems like as you get more and more comfortable in the bullpen, your stuff is getting better and better. And now. Um, you've kind of transitioned into this closer role. Like you've kind of just had so much success out of the bullpen. It's like they can't not put you there at the end of games, and then you come into games throwing ninety-nine by guys, and it's like, oh my god, this guy's this guy's got his stuff back, and it's awesome to see. W- what is your what is your goal? Would you rat? Like, do you really enjoy this close? Do you enjoy it? where you want to stay here or is your ultimate goal to get back in the starting rotation someday
1: i'll tell you what ben yeah out of spring training i'm like uh i have to get back rotation do it but after getting put in these these high leverage situations being able to pitch the ninth inning, safe situations it's it's tough to not love that role that's um and it's Something that I've really enjoyed doing, and I'm not sure if I want to get out of that high-leverage situation.
0: That's awesome, man. I, it's it's so fun to watch you in those situations, man. It really is. Um, all right. So you mentioned the the three batter minimum rule that is in place right now. So let me put you in the place of Commissioner for one day, and I think baseball right now is in this cool transitional phase where it's becoming so exciting and there's all these new young players breaking all these unwritten rules of baseball and all these things happening if you were commissioner for the day what is one rule that you would take away or implement for the betterment of the game of baseball
1: I'd take away the extra inning runner on second base it's uh, it's already tough as it is in, in those situations and in extra innings as uh, every pitch is important. Every out is important in those extra innings. And just to put a runner on second, um, just doesn't feel like it does pitchers. Judge. It does save pitchers. I do get that. It does prevent 17, 18 inning games. Um, but I just, I just, I'm not a fan of the runner on second rule in extra innings.
0: That's fair. That's a good one. All right. So let's, I ask everybody the same three career moment sort of questions. So uh, the first one to you would be What was your welcome to the big leagues moment?
1: Oh, I mean, I think it's as early as my second start in the big leagues Uh, in Cleveland, coming off of my first, my debut in Minnesota, go straight to Cleveland. And I think I give up like four or five innings, just get hit around the yard. You know, just mistakes. Uh, Mike Napoli has hits neck balls. I mean, I was throwing (laughs) balls at his neck and tomahawking them out to to left field. Um, I think, you know, this game humbles you. It finds a way to humble you real quick, no matter how high uh, on your horse you are. Like, you know, I wasn't like not saying I was cocky or anything, um, but I was feeling good and confident after. Um, my debut and, and feeling like you know I belong in the big leagues at that moment, and then turn around five days later and uh, immediately get handed get hit around the yard a little, bit, really a little humbling. <laughs> uh,
0: what is the most memorable play that you've made on the
1: field? Oh memorable play. You know, I, I'm not. Um, I wish it was some some uh, fancy. Play that I'd make most memorable. I'm gonna. It's when I'm. I was hitting. Keyword was trying. Love this. I love where this is going. Um, guys on first and second, I'm asked to put a bunt down, right? <laughs> oh, God. So, first and second, you want to bunt the ball toward third base, a little firm, so make the third baseman field it. um I look up when the pitch is being thrown and see Anthony Rizzo almost on the dirt of the batter's box (laughs) Um, execute this bunt. What I thought was to perfection. Okay. Rizzo proceeds to run across the field (laughs) in front of the pitch, picks up the baseball in the third baseline, throws it to third. And I'm not jogging, you know, down the first base line, I'm I'm giving a you know 80 percent 90 percent oh no um, he throws the ball to third base I get doubled up at first base <laughs> so that's probably the most memorable uh play that I've been a part of that's
0: all this is probably also my most memorable answer to this question I I love this absolutely love that answer <laughs> that's great um also the the last one a moment that stands out to you that has taken place with teammates off of the field
1: Oh, teammates off of the field. Um, you know, it's it's you know you can go back to to rookie dress up um, in 2016 for me. It was um, I was I had the pleasure of sporting a Nacho Libre outfit, <laughs> um, ape and mask and all. We went to uh, Atlanta, was our last series, and we all went out to eat um, at a restaurant across from the field, all dressed up. It was actually kind of fun, uh, I enjoyed it, but um, I think just like team dinners, uh, when we go on the on road trips, fly in a little soon and, and go out to eat as a, as a team, I think they're all pretty cool and we get to bond off the field.
0: You best believe when, when this episode is, is pushed out, I will be finding that picture of you in a Nacho Libre uh, outfit, and that will be pushed out with with this segment as well. It has
1: to be. That's fine. You know, I've lost weight since then, so everybody just remember that.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> one, uh, a question bef- for you before I let you go: When are you going to play me in MLB the Show?
1: Ben, I'm not not a video gamer. You know, I'll support your uh, Twitch channel. Uh, I'm there, whether you know it or not. Sometimes. Um, and I've seen you play, and I don't think I want to pick up the game um, just to get embarrassed um, by a Fox employee now. <laughs> so uh, the answer to that would probably never. Although, you know, the MLB tells us they're going to give us our own 99 card. If I don't want to um, face that. If, I don't
0: want to face your 99 card.
1: So I, I may do it just for that, is what I'm thinking.
0: <laughs> you need you need to get the show. Just You do. If, if you even get it, and... MLB The Show will immediately give you a 99 card of yourself, one of one. You're the only one that can get it, and there's no way in the world I could touch it. So that's what we would have to do. You get your 99 card, I'll play you, and I won't be able to touch you with that card. But fun fact, one time when you were in my stream, I used your card, which you remember this well. I used... I, I was literally using like a 92 like Raleigh Fingers, 92 overall Raleigh Fingers. And Fulmer comes in my stream and goes, why aren't you using me? <laughs> so, so I go get his card, which was at the time, they've, they've boosted your rating quite a bit, by the way. At the time, like a 64 overall and uh, went out and shoved <laughs> with it. But so that was that was a, a fun time. But you definitely need to get your card. And you also said you're not a video gamer. I have seen you stream and play NHL I've seen it happen I've seen you play video games so you can't say you're not a video yeah. gamer
1: I've played I dabble in NHL a, dabble. Um, <laughs> a little bit but MLB I've not so uh, why don't you play me in NHL then
0: I'll play I'll play you in NHL and you play me in, in MLB with your 99 overall card deal Head to head, ben. I'll use your I'll use your your whatever your 65 overall card. You use your 99 <laughs> overall card, and we'll go head to head.
1: I'm down. I'm down for that.
0: <laughs> All right, Foam. Thank you so much for joining me, man. I really, really appreciate it. I'm pumped to watch you come back out of the pen and blow 100 miles an hour by, guys. Um, happy to see you back and healthy, and and good luck the rest of the way. I'd love to have you back on sometime, man.
1: Ben, you're the man. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: All right, what a great interview. I wanted to thank Michael Fulmer for joining me again. Look, one thing we talked about was that home run I hit off of my brother. It reminded me, this past week, uh, my brother posted a video of him throwing. uh, uh, Pretty hard, it looked like. He posted a video on Instagram of him throwing. I screen grabbed that, and I posted it myself. Uh, For me, it was really cool to see. I I know what my brother has been through. I know how cool, uh, you know, how much he wants to get back. And to see him throwing again was really awesome. So I, I posted that, and somebody actually replied to that, saying Ben Verlander would hit that 410 to dead center, which I replied to that saying 425 with the little, like, anecdote saying it was actually 425. My brother responded to that, saying enough is enough. I'm officially requesting a rematch. <laughs> so I quote tweeted that and said it's on the rematch at bat number two. So I look forward to that happening. It's 100% going to happen. We're going to make it happen um, at bat number two. I'm one for one with a homer, so I'm looking forward to a bat number two. Uh, but I wanted to get in to this week's hotline questions, one of my favorite parts of the show where you guys call in and ask me whatever you want or voice your displeasure talk about whatever you want get any more insight you might want call 213-537-9339 to keep getting those questions in so rick hit me with that first question this week
3: hey ben how you doing my name is regal ramirez Um, I had a question. I want to know um, who you think the biggest trade pieces heading into these next couple weeks are going to be. Like, who do you see more than likely moving to another team? Um, Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Big follower. Let me know. Bye. Uh,
0: Perfect. Thank you for the question. Talking about trade candidates, it is getting to that time of the year where we do need to start talking about this. Uh, I, I do think there's there's some big names out there that could potentially be available. But look, once we get towards the trade deadline and start talking about this, this is a big deal. So a, a lot of times what I do is I run down a list. The worst teams in baseball. Let me look at the worst teams in baseball. Who are the best players on the worst teams? So then if you do that right there, you come up with some names. And then you, you, you look at what is most important? What are what are teams looking for? And a lot of times, it's that pitcher to send them over the top. That pitcher that's going to make the biggest difference. I think of a few uh, names of, in years past that have gone on to, to new teams for a little while and made a big impact. I, you know, I think of CC Sabathia when he went to the Brewers for that one postseason and was legendary. I think my brother when he got traded uh, towards the end of the year to the Astros and goes on to help them win a World Series. There's a lot of pitchers that end up making huge impacts here when I think of players themselves who am I thinking of well one I think there could be a a few players out of Colorado that that make a big impact John Gray one who's a good pitcher uh, a little underrated pitcher out there one because he's in Colorado where the ball flies I think John Gray is a good pitcher and could be a good pickup for a team a big one however position player shortstop Trevor Story I think Trevor Story could be a huge piece that is moved at the trade deadline. I could see a team picking him up, like the maybe the Yankees, who, who need a boost somewhere, who already have a talented team, but um, could could use some help. Could use some help there. And you know, another big name that I think could be moved, Max Scherzer. There hasn't been a ton of talk about it yet. Uh, and then and then he goes down with this little injury. When I, when I first heard his name, other than my thought that Max Scherzer could be traded, I heard his name last week and he ends up getting hurt and tweaked a little something and that kind of put a wrench in it but by all accounts he's back he's about to come back and pitch this coming week so I think that could be the biggest piece of all when you think of a big trade piece for a team that's going to be in the postseason I think pitcher whether it be a starter or a lever and the biggest one out there on a team that's not great that could be moved Max Scherzer so thank you for the question Rick hit me with the next one
3: Hello, Ben. How you doing? Uh, this is uh, David Morkell. I'm a uh, longtime fan. I know you remember you with the Tigers and everything. I listen to your podcast. Is all the great players the Tigers have traded away for nothing in return? Most recent examples are your brother, <laughs> and uh, look at Nick Castellanos. He's leading the league in everything, and we got absolutely nothing for him. Same with JD Martinez and a whole bunch of others. It basically traded away all-star team for nothing. I'm curious on what your thoughts may be with respect to uh, an objective opinion as their rebuild working. I think uh, after six years of Al Avila being general manager, you would think some of his prospects he drafted outside of Casey, Mize, and Bowl would, would be up with the major league team by now. So uh, that's kind of my thought.
0: Perfect. Thank you for the question. It is about... The Detroit Tigers rebuild. Um, Look, you you say after six years or so, a lot of these guys you would think would be in the big leagues, and I don't necessarily know um, if... You know, rebuilds take time. It doesn't happen overnight. Here's my thing with the Detroit Tigers. They're coming, and you're starting to see flashes of it. You're starting to see flashes of it in the big leagues with guys like Casey Mize who... Has turned into a really good pitcher and the month of may is one of the best pitchers in baseball so what you look for when you're in a rebuild is who are going to be guys on our team and just seeing flashes of what could be all you want to do is see flashes of can we turn this thing around soon and more and more with the detroit tigers you're starting to see it with guys like mize with guys like scoobal with guys like matt manning who comes up and makes his debut in Angel Stadium the other night, and throws great. But what I'm most excited about for the Detroit Tigers' future is Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. These guys, coming up through the minors, they've already gotten moved up this year from High A, which is now West Michigan, to Double A Erie, and they're still raking. These guys are going to be really, really good. Look, I know it's taken time for the Tigers, but you can see it now. You can see it. You can start to see it at the big league level, but you can see it in the minor leagues where these guys that are top prospects are performing. And that's all you want is to see guys perform, to see guys to continue to move up the the system, to see guys like Torkelson and Green have success at high A and then get moved and can continue to have success. That's the biggest thing for me is once they get moved, continuing to have success. Because that could be a big one. Baseball is very mental. You move up to the next level and you try and overperform and you don't do great. And then next thing you know, you're in a funk and you just stay there. These guys are coming and these guys are coming fast and they're performing really, really well. And that makes me really excited for the Detroit Tigers' future. So thank you guys for those questions. Make sure you get them in weekly 213 537 9339. It is one of my favorite parts of the show because you guys get to be involved. And I love that. But you know what is quickly becoming my favorite segment? My all-time favorite segment? This week in Shohei Otani news. I don't even know where to start this week. Are you kidding me? Look, early in the week, he starts on the mound for the Angels in the first full-capacity game at Angel Stadium because, of course, he does. Of course, the first full-capacity game this season at Angel Stadium, Shohei Otani's on the mound. Why wouldn't he be? He went out and dominated. He got a win. He threw great. Six innings, one run and a win. Great stuff from Otani there, okay? But then what happens? Shohei Otani dropped a hype video to announce that he was going to be participating in the Home Run Derby come July at the All-Star Game. I almost fainted. I almost fainted when I saw this. Look, I'm all on the Shohei Otani fan bandwagon i I can't explain you i wear my showtime shirt everywhere i go i talk about him everywhere i go i tweet about him every day i'm obsessed with this guy i'm not afraid to admit it i really am when he dropped a hype video saying he's gonna be in the home run derby are you kidding me this is incredible uh so i was already hopeful that otani would be participating look when i think of Otani. What I wanted was for him to pitch and hit in the All-Star game. That'd be my ideal situation. For this to happen, oh baby, this is great. So then the week goes on, and the day he announces that he's going to participate in the Home Run Derby, he hits two homers. Two home runs on the day he announces it. What, does he el- what else does he do this week? Look, six games... Six home runs, six innings pitched, one earned run, and a win. So in six days, he had six homers, got a win on the mound, threw six innings, and got a Like, it's getting to the point where I don't know. This is the most impressive thing I've seen in baseball ever. And I will tell you this. The week that Shohei Otani just had is the most impressive week in baseball history. The most impressive week in baseball history we just witnessed out of Shohei Ohtani. He hit a home run in every game besides the one that he pitched in. And the only reason he didn't hit a home run in that game is because he got walked twice. And then the game he did pitch in, he got a win and gave up one earned run in six innings. Guys, do not take for granted what we are seeing right now from Shohei Ohtani. Do not do it. Because this is some of the most impressive things that have ever happened in baseball. And this week, this week alone, was the most impressive week in baseball history by one player, without a doubt in my mind. So that is it for this week in Shohei Ohtani News. And I can't wait till next week. On to the poll that we asked you guys on Twitter, which we've been doing weekly. So if you don't follow Flippin' Bats Pod on Twitter, make sure you're doing that. Because we're asking you guys a poll weekly, and then we discuss it on the pod. This week's question, who is the best hitter in the National League? We gave you guys three names, Jesse Winker, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Ronald Acuna. And then, of course, the someone else category. So we asked, you guys answered. Let's take a look at who won the poll. The winner, by a good bit, Fernando Tatis Jr. with 36.7% of the vote, Ronald Acuna with 28.2% of the vote, Jesse Winker with 17.8% of the vote, and someone else with 17.3% of the vote. Now, what I like to do is talk about that someone else category at first. Who is in that someone else category? I think Nick Castellanos is there. I think we could have gone with either of those guys in, this, in the graphic, Castellanos or Winker. Both of them are absolutely raking and are absolutely one of the best hitters in the National League. Another name that I'm assuming got some votes, Juan Soto. Look, I know Juan Soto hasn't gotten off to the hottest of starts this year and isn't having the best year, but when you think pure hitter, who is the best pure hitter, Juan Soto has to be on that list, and I guarantee you is getting some of those votes. Just because he's not hitting great this year and hitting over 300 this year doesn't mean he's not the best hitter in the National League, which he very well could be. But I look at the results of what we have between these three guys. Fernando Tatis winning, Ronald Acuna second, Jesse Winker third. I feel like a lot of these guys are getting votes because of the hype around them. Look, Fernando Tatis, I believe, is the most electric player in baseball. He's great. I don't know when I think of who is the best pure hitter, who I'm taking in the National League. Full disclosure, when I voted on this poll, I voted for Ronald Acuna. I voted for Ronald Acuna. I don't even really know why. I think I could have gone with any of these guys, to be honest with you. Now that I look back, I don't know. I feel like I could have gone with any of these guys, but I'll tell you who's not a wrong answer, Nick Castellanos. When we're talking best hitter, Make it very clear, this isn't about who's the best player. I think the best player right now, Fernando Tatis, wins even more so. But when I think of just pure hitter, this is a tough question, man. This is a tough question. I I like the results of this. I like the results. Fernando Tatis winning with 36.7% of the vote. Face of baseball. Ronald Acuna coming in second. Another good poll. Another good poll. So if you guys aren't following this week, or if you're not following Flippin' Bats Pod on Twitter, make sure you're doing it for the weekly poll questions because we're asking you guys weekly some sort of question, and then I bring it back up on the show. But let's get in to this week's sixth tool player of the week. This week's 6 tool player of the week is Joey Votto of the Cincinnati Reds. Let me talk to you about Joey Votto's Votto's week. Not only did he come back from an injury and just start raking. a Couple of home runs this week, the guy still bangs. That's Joey Votto's thing, that's the Reds thing. Votto still bangs, and he absolutely does. Comes back from injury, starts raking again. But, as I always say, it's not stat-based really. 6 tool player of the week, of course it helps if you hit well, but it's not necessarily stat-based. Joey Votto was on first base this week. On a ball down the left field line, he proceeds to score from first base. Now he's not the fleetest of foot guy. I think think we know that. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he scores from first base, slides in safe, very close play at the plate, gets up, super pumped up. He's yelling, he's yelling at the guy that hit the ball, pumping him up, pumping up the crowd, super energetic. It was awesome to see. And he was actually asked about that post-game. He was asked about scoring from first base. So I want to throw it to that Joey Votto interview post-game.
3: Were you more excited about
1: the go-ahead run, the fact that you did score from first,
3: or that he called what it, wait, what or is, all
1: what the what above?
3: You did. What is that? Is that a shot?
1: <laughs> that was a semi-shot. That was just not the most fleet of foot, but you're, you know, it was the fastest sprint speed that you had going home.
2: Really better
1: either. Say that again. It was the fastest sprint
2: speed of you going
1: home. Oh, really? What was the what was my speed? Uh, I don't know the exact number. I would have to look it up. All right,
2: text it text it to me if you don't mind. And then you're about to find out you've been blocked.
0: <laughs> you're about to find out you've been blocked. I love Joey Votto, and he embodies what a six-tool player is all about. He has so much fun. He's great. He's energetic, and he gives you interviews like this. Not your typical post-game interview where he just says, yeah, I scored from first. He said, wait a second, did you just take a shot at me? just tell me I'm normally slow? Okay, you're blocked. Great. Absolutely great. But continue on in the week. Joey Votto isn't pleased with the call at home plate with the home plate umpire, He gets up in his face. He starts yelling at him. Joey Votto gets ejected from the game. He drops the bat. He gets all up in the umpire's face. He's yelling at him. I I love it. I love energy. I love Votto's energy. I love what happened here. But he does end up getting ejected from the game. What proceeded to happen from this was one of the most pure moments that has happened in baseball this year. Votto gets ejected. He comes out of the game. And he ends up seeing a tweet. There was this girl in the stands. Her name was Abigail. Abigail was at her first game, and her favorite player is Joey Vada. Here's the tweet from Kristen that says, When it's your first MLB game and your favorite player of all time gets thrown out of the game in the first inning with three crying emojis, hashtag, we love you, Joey. And Kristen is uh, her mom, I believe, and there's a picture of Abigail looking super upset. It's the saddest thing in the world. Vado gets thrown out, her first time seeing her favorite player. Well, what happens? Joey Vado ends up hearing about this. He finds out about this, and he ends up signing a ball for her that says, I am sorry I didn't play the entire game. Signed, Joey Vado. So Kristen tweets, again it says i have an update on the sad abigail situation it took a couple of innings but she eventually cheered up with some popcorn and joey Votto is so kind he signed this amazing ball for her thank you so much mr Votto, and the wonderful reds what an awesome story what a really cool heartfelt story out of a situation that one, I love to begin with. Votto plays with energy. He was, he was frustrated, he was disappointed. He gets thrown out of the game. He finds out something like this happened though, and he made up for it. He went above and beyond to make up for it. Signed her this ball. By the way, the ball said, I'm sorry I didn't play the entire game. What a great, great way to sign a ball. Uh, and then the next day, uh, she's back at the game. Votto goes out early to talk to her, to take a picture with her, to sign something else for her. This just turned in. From a situation that was unfortunate, all she wanted to do was watch Joey Votto play for the first time, it turned into one of the coolest situations of all time, with Abigail getting even more up close and personal with Votto and getting more signed stuff. So, bravo all around. And another reason Joey Votto is this week's 6 Tool Player of the Week. Look, it's not necessarily about stats. It's about being fun. It's about playing with energy. It's about doing stuff like this off of the field that's just... So cool, man. Really cool moment. And that's why Joey Votto is this week's Six Tool Player of the Week. And, guys, before I sign off, I wanted to talk about something I've brought up before, about this whole Your mean Mercedes situation with, with Tony LaRussa. Going in, by the way, going into that situation when Your mean Mercedes swung 3-0, he was hitting 360 on the year. 360. Since that day, since that exact day, Your Mean Mercedes is hitting 160-something. I talked about this recently, and I, and I got a little bit of, of blowback from people, and I wanted to talk about this because I, I've been there. I have been at the professional level, and I know how hard hitting is professionally. And I've recently had some conversations about this, and it really made me think, look, I have the utmost respect for Tony La Russa. He is an absolute legend. He's a Hall of Famer. He is a legend in the game of baseball. But you know what happens sometimes with legends? They make mistakes and that's okay. And I firmly believe in that situation, a mistake was made. Yermin Mercedes is a Rule 5 guy, a Rule 5 28-year-old rookie who was on top of the world. He could do no wrong. He was seeing a beach ball up there at the plate. I promise you, it looked like a beach ball was getting served up there. Tony La Russa comes out in the media the day he hits a 3-0 homer and says, he was wrong for this. He messed up. I will be handling this. That was his first adversity that he faced from his own manager. All he wants to do is make his manager happy and make him proud and do good things on the field. That situation in itself is enough to wreck you internally and make you mentally just change He went from doing no wrong to doing something wrong. And all it takes, guys, all it takes is something that small to flip the switch. I can't tell you how many times in the minor leagues I would be on top of the world and see guys in the same situation. And it takes nothing, far less than that situation, to send a guy in the opposite direction. I've been in a situation before where I was hitting 450 on a month and thought for sure I was going to get caught up. Actually got a call to get called up. And then the next day was told, you know what? Like the the guy ended up being fine. That got hurt. You're gonna stay there. That sent me into a downhill spiral, and it does not take much, guys. So look, I understand, but Tony Larusa is an absolute legend of the game. I understand that, but legends sometimes make mistakes, and I firmly believe that this was a mistake that sent your Mercedes into a down, downhill spiral. I really do. But before I log off today. I wanted to tell you guys, and I've said this before, I truly believe I was put on this earth to talk about baseball. I love this game. I love this game more than anything in the world. And I truly believe I was put on this earth to talk about baseball. And when I get some messages like, like this one that I got from, from Joel this past week, I wanted to read this to you. He said, I think you hit on something with this show. There are a lot of people, myself included, who are moving away from baseball and it brings you back to it, highlighting that baseball can still be fun. You've shown me and made me feel that baseball is fun. That's what this is all about, man. That's what this is all about. That made me feel really good. Uh, And if you guys have any stories like that, make sure you reach out to me. I love hearing them. I was put on this earth to talk about baseball. I truly believe that. And the fact that I get to do this to you guys weekly means the world. And so do messages like that. So that does it for this week's show, guys. What an absolute blast. Wanted to thank Michael Fulmer again for joining me and for talking about that home run again that I hit off my brother. Whenever I can talk about that, it's always a good day. So make sure you're following the show on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. The video portion comes out on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribing, hitting that five-star button on Apple or Spotify, wherever it may be. And I will see you next week on Flippin' Bats.
1: It's a he swings and it's a high fly ball, deep center field, it is gone, home run,
3: and a huge bat to celebrate.